one of the synoptic gospels, as we endeavor to, to unpiece and, un, and, and really unwrap this concept this morning, I, I want to remind you that the synoptic gospels are always complementary and never contradictory. Okay, so we, we see the life of Christ in, in different angles. In Matthew, we see Jesus Christ as a Jewish king. In the, in the book of Luke, we see uh, Jesus Christ as a son of man. In John, we see um, Jesus Christ as a son of God. And in, in Mark, we see that Jesus Christ is a servant. All right, so we just keep that in mind. Mark chapter 10, and we'll begin reading in verse 13. Mark 10, 13. And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. Verse 14 of Mark chapter 10. And when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not. For such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Verse 16. And he took them up in his arms, put his hand upon his hands upon them, and blessed them. And today, the sermon that the Lord has laid upon my heart to preach to you this morning is a sermon entitled "The Value of Our Heritage." The value of our heritage, and let's pray. Father, your word is so amazing and so life-changing, and so I pray that you use these verses that we're going to go through these next couple of minutes. May you use it to strike a chord in each of our hearts so that we can serve you more, so that we can glorify you more, and Lord, that we can be a good example for the next generation to follow. Thank you again for giving me the opportunity to preach. I ask that you just guide my words. Thank you for your mercy and grace towards me. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. I had many people ask me this, uh, this morning and just look at me strangely, and I, I asked them, what's going on? And they'll say, EJ, why are you still here? Um, baby was supposed to be born on, on Friday, but uh, God sees fit just to keep it in there for a little bit longer, so that's okay with me. About, um, about six years ago, it was our church anniversary, and um, it was just the same. We were doing church anniversary things. We were working. We had really late nights during the week, and that night, my wife started getting contractions, and, we, and the following day, the Monday, uh, the 23rd, uh, we've had our, our first baby, Shiloh. She was premature, but um, praise the Lord, she's now grown up, and she's turning six. Isn't that crazy? Life goes real quick. Life goes real quick. Um, church, uh, I just wanted to share with you a, a discussion I had earlier this week. Um, a, a question was posed, and it basically said this. Um, if a person were to come up to you and say, how do you know that there is a God? What, what would your answer be? What would your answer be? And many of us in our, in our minds, because we've, we've been in church for so long, we know how to defend our faith. We know how to show um, different ways how there is a God. Now, some people will use presuppositionalism, where basically you, you, you use the scriptures and say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There, there, is no, there is no notion that there wasn't a God. No, no, there is a God, because in Genesis 1.1. You can go to verses like John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Examples like that you can use to show that, that God does exist. Other people, um, again, uh, they use evidentialism, basically using evidence to prove that there's the existence of God. 
there's logical arguments, there's different cosmological arguments, intelligent, intelligent design. I'm sure a lot of us heard of that. Uh, basically, uh, because we're, we're, we have such amazing abilities as humans, our hands, the ligaments in our hands, um, there needs to be a designer in regards to that. Whatever uh, stance you take to, to, to answer that question, maybe your, your answer may be real to you. All right? Well, this lady answered, and she said, she said um, to the class, basically, I have two kids. And just last week, I, I had I get given birth to another child. And as I look to my child, and I see my child in my hands, and I, I caress its face, I know that there is a God. I know that there's a, a loving God. And there's this, there's this thing that happens every time when, when someone gives birth. Uh, we, we see it all the time in our church as God blesses our church and multiplies our church in that way. Everyone sort of gets so happy and excited to see this little child come to existence. We, we, we go around the little bassinet and we're like, ooh. And we start, you start saying noises and making noises that we never make before. It just, it just comes out. And we're, we're there talking about this child and seeing how beautiful it is. And actually, it's just a little bit, mm, not really. But we just say it because it's, it's a nice thing to say. The value of children often is undermined because they, they cannot do what an adult can do. They, they cannot pay taxes as an adult can pay taxes. They cannot make a decision like an adult will make a decision. And the stories that we just read, um, understand this is seen in, in different passages of Scripture. Again, in the Synoptic Gospels, you'll see this multiple times in Matthew 19, 13 to 15. In Luke 18, 15 to 17, you see the same story being portrayed. But firstly, the first point for us this morning is simply this. The children need to be brought to Jesus. The children need to be brought to Jesus. In verse 13, and they brought young children to him. And who's that? Jesus Christ. That he, Jesus Christ, should touch them. But his, Jesus Christ's disciples, rebuked those that brought them. First of all, tonight, uh, this morning, church, I want to remind you, if, you're, if you have children, whether they're the age of, of, of zero or whether they're, they're already adult age, you need to understand that each child needs to be brought to Jesus Christ. Amen. Each child needs to be brought to Jesus Christ. Why? Because there are limitations to our care. There's limitations to our care. Understand, yes, God has given me the privilege to be a father of four, and one's on the way. But I cannot be the father that is perfect. I cannot provide every single thing that that child needs. Why? Because there's limitations to my provision. Does that make sense? And we need to understand and take that pressure away from yourself, thinking that you have to be the perfect parent. The truth is, you can never be the perfect parent. Why? Because there's only one perfect parent, and that's Jesus Christ. That is God. And so do you know what you need to do as a parent? You need to say, God, I am limited in how I can raise these kids. God, I, I am limited in, in what I can teach them in the Bible. I, I'm limited in, in what I can do to, to help guide them in life. And so what I'm going to do, God, is I'm, I'm going to bring them to you. Because you're the author and finisher of my faith. And I pray that be the author and, you'll be the author and finisher of their faith. There are limitations in our parenting. 
So when the time comes when you fail as a parent, understand that it was inevitable. Understand that there was a mistake that could have been made. Why? Because you're not perfect. Neither am I. See, these people, there's a lot of people that, that presuppose that the children that they were bringing to Jesus Christ were disabled. Um, others presented that they may have medical conditions, whilst others state that they were perfectly fine children just wanting to be blessed by Jesus Christ. No matter the case, these people, whoever they were, whether they're the parents, the nurses, or the carers, brought them to Jesus. There's a requirement to bring them to Jesus. And you say, but I'm here this morning, Pastor EJ, and I have, I have a question. I'm not married, and I don't have kids, right? God's placed us in an environment in our church. There are different levels of Christianity here. Yes, you're saved. Yes, you're going to heaven. Praise the Lord, amen? But some people are adults in the faith, and some people are still children in the faith. We need to be aware. We need to look around. We need not to be so concerned about our own circumstance that we fail to see those that are in our church that require help that need to be brought to Jesus. And I'm not saying for their salvation. I'm saying for their growth. I'm, I, I'm asking the Lord, Lord, please, show me a person that has been in our church that needs to get closer to you. Isn't that a great way to think about church? When you come to the service, do you, you think it that way? I know many men here do. I, I watch you guys as you converse outside. You, you grab a group of boys or a group of young men or a group of ladies, and you start talking to them, encouraging them about the scriptures. Why? Because there's a necessity for us as a church to take people closer to Jesus Christ. And that's not just the responsibility of the people that work for the church. No, that's all of our responsibility. Amen? There is a responsibility. There's a, there's a value in our heritage. Children need to be brought to Jesus. Why? Because there's limitations to our care. Each child must be brought to Jesus because he is the right person to bring them to. This is where it's, it, gets, it gets interesting. You, you never go to a mechanic to fix your laptop. Am I correct? Makes sense. Uh, you wouldn't go to a, to, to a doctor and ask for the recipe of that osobuko soup that you're going to have because it's raining. You don't do that. Why? Because you bring them to the person that can help them the most. And church, when, when you make a decision to say, you know what, I'm going to bring my physical children to church, I'm going to bring them to Sunday school over there because it's important for them to see, the, to, to see Jesus Christ not just in an adult setting, but in their classroom setting with their teenagers together, where there's children together. I want them to grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And it's so important for them to see that mom and dad are bringing them to the right place. And parents, you did that today. Thank you for doing that. And so this is not just a, this is not supposed to be an indictment, but rather an encouragement to you to say that what you're doing is a great thing. If you saw the, those young ladies that sang that song, that song that glorified God on your behalf, do you know what happened? These people here were brought today by their parents. You're, you're benefiting from their parents' sacrifice to raise them up in this church. So you should be thankful too. There are many times I look at the orchestra and, and a lot of these 
um, players, they, they, they grew up in our church. They're your children. There's importance in our heritage. And as we explore our heritage this month, understand that your faithfulness is producing fruit. Your desire for their growth is actually coming to fruition. Why? Because they're growing. Because they're serving. Because they're loving God. Because they're not out there making a mess of their life. And because they're obedient to you. Why? Because that's your investment. They need to be brought to the right person. Nextly, secondly, for us this, this morning, simply this. Children's invisible value can be, can be undermined. Children's invisible value can be undermined. In verse 14, let's look at it. Mark chapter 10, verse 14. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. It's interesting in verse 14, he says, When Jesus Christ saw it, when Jesus Christ is looking, he can be displeased with what he sees. He can be displeased about how you treat an individual, how you treat another person. He can be displeased by that. But see, the children's invisible value can be undermined. Why? Because they're children. They're children. Those that knew the Lord or should have known more were the most guilty. Parent, don't underestimate the value of your child. Whatever stage of life they're in. You know, there, there are some here today that you've raised your child right, and now they're in Bible college doing great things for God. Thank you for doing that. There are some of you today that have raised your child right, and now they can play an instrument, and they can glorify God with their skill and their abilities. Thank you for that. But do not undervalue your child. Do not undervalue what God can potentially do to this young man over here and that God's working in his heart. And if you undervalue that, what you're going to do is you're going to suppress what God can do in their life. Why? Because you don't see the value in it. How can I say this in a nice way? God doesn't want your family to fail. So what steps are you taking so that your family can succeed? Spiritually. I'm not talking about financially. Yeah, we work a job. We do what we got to do. We got to pay the mortgage. We got to do all those things. That's great. But what are we doing spiritually to help our next generation, our heritage, by the way, to continue that baton? of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How are we going to do that? Do you know how we start? By not undervaluing them. By saying, you know what, my son? Let me tell you about Jesus. And yeah, he might not understand it yet, but do you know what my desire for my son is? My, my desire is simply this, is that he'll do more for God than I'll ever do. I want my son to, do, to know God more than I could ever. I would love and desire for my son to do so many things for the Lord. Why? Because in the end, the baton will continue through him. The baton will continue to our next generation. And one day, parents and elders of the church, one day we're going to pass off this place. 
and we want that gospel to continue going. So what steps are we taking to value who they are? Does that mean you wake up earlier in the morning so you can get them up so they can come to church and go to Sunday school? Yes, it is. That is a sacrifice you make so that they can come to church and hear about Jesus Christ. Don't you want that? Or do you want your child to fail and go outside and and do what everybody else does? And the desire for your child really ends up on your decision whether am I going to sacrifice for my children and say, I want them to learn right. I want them to grow right. I want them to do great things for God. But what steps are we taking? Because these people said, you know what? I know he's busy. I know that he's, he's healing the lame and he's raising the dead and he's doing so many great things and healing people of their blood issues. But I want my child to come over here and I just want him to touch him, just to bless him. That's my desire. And as they were doing that, the disciples stopped them. He said, no, go away. You can't give a tithe. You're just a child. You can't even read. But the power, this is what's amazing. You'll find out soon. Um, Jesus uses the children as an example of salvation. And the things that were supposed to be the least because they cannot work a job. He uses them as an example for each of us about how a sinner can get to heaven. That's amazing. So there is a value in your children. So let me, let me take this a little bit step fur- further as we discussed previously. There are people here that are still young in the faith and you could be 20 years old saved and still be young in the faith, church. If you're not growing spiritually, you're still young in the faith, and someone needs to come aside to you, grab your hand, and take you. Hey, I want to I bring you closer to Jesus. Have you been discipled? Hey, let me disciple you. Let me show you about who our God is. I know that you're saved. I know that you're going to heaven, but let's ne- take the next steps. Why? Because I want to invest my life in you. And yes, you're not my son physically, but I can, I can help you get closer to Jesus. And you know what we should do as, as people that are veterans in the church? We should be doing that as well. Do you know the people that should have been bringing the children? Should have been the disciples. Hey, anyone that can touch Jesus, hey, come, come. I want Jesus to bless your life. I want Jesus to make an impact in your life. It ought to have been the disciples, but the disciples were the one that turned it around and said, you know what, these guys, these, this is just collateral damage. What if they fall and break their arm? We get sued. Oh, we can't have children here. Whew. Instead of seeing the value of a child, we'd rather stay in our own circle whilst that child over there is just sitting there trying to grow, trying to get closer to Jesus. But we have the opportunity, but we're so stuck in our little group that we don't want to bring him closer to Jesus. We'll continue on today. And I know I've taken a long time already, but secondly, those are, those are cho- uh, the children's invisible value would be undermined. But thirdly, simply this in verse 15. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. 
That's your example for us today. Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Children are examples of salvation. You notice this word, shall not, what's that R? What's that word? Receive. Shall not receive. The emphasis is not that the children are humble or innocent, as some may believe. Because sometimes they're not. But the emphasis is on the fact that the children will receive. And do not feel that they have to earn to get what they receive. And this simple faith, this belief, this receiving, is exemplified in the, in the gospel and in salvation. Why? That if thou shalt confess with thine mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, and you come to church for 20, 20 or 30 years, then you can go to heaven. Is that what it says? No, my friend. It's received. For God so loved the world. We said the verse, John, uh, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You don't pay for a gift. It's free. You just receive. And see, the understanding today is that if you're here, and whether you've been coming to our church for, for 10 years or five years or five months, but if you do not personally know Jesus Christ, you can know him today. Jesus Christ died for you. That's how much he loves children. He sent his only child to die on the cross for your sin. That's Jesus Christ. That's the love that he has for you. Imagine me sending my son to die for somebody. Do you know I'll tell you what? It'd be in vain. Why? Because my son has sinned. He's done wrong. But God gave the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ for your sin. And for us to say, oh, you know, children are insignificant, for us to not involve ourselves with whether it's children's ministry or whether that's in discipleship of a, a, a childlike individual, it doesn't really matter. What it is is that we're taking the steps forward to valuing our next heritage because they will carry the burden for us. And the time will come, parents, where the gossip you said and the lies you made will impact the life of your child. And you're saying here, I want to involve my child in church, and in the other side of your mouth, you're, you're, you're denouncing the church. They didn't do this for me. They didn't do that. And you're saying here, hey, you know what? You guys need to be in church every time the service doors are open because that's what the Bible says. Oh, I don't want to go to church today because, you know, I'll see that person and make me upset. Two separate sides of the story, church. We shouldn't do that. Why? Because there is value in the next heritage. And if you value it so much, how are you going to sacrifice for it? I was talking to the teenagers this morning. And I said, the devil would love to desire to destroy your family. That's his goal. The devil would desire to destroy who you are, and as a family, destroy your family. That's his goal. Why? Well, it makes sense, doesn't it? If he gets you, he gets your family. And when he gets your family, he gets parts of the church. 
Does that make sense? So don't let him get to you. And I told the, the teenagers this morning, hey, teenagers, the devil will give you legitimate reasons why you should hate your brother. Legitimate reasons. Not just made up reasons. Legitimate ones. Because they actually did you wrong. They actually did you wrong. And it's, it's all right for you to say that. And so the devil will give you that truth and say, hey, this is for you, bro. This is true. But his intended goal is to destroy the church. Does that make sense? How does this have anything to do with children? That will permeate to your children, by the way. There's, this, there's times where I sit and I study at home and I hear Shiloh should shout, Esther! Stop that. Do you know what I hear in my mind? I hear me. Because if I don't control my tongue, that's how I sound. Esther, stop that. I say it a lot. She's sleeping. It's okay. They're just going to be, they're going to show you who you are. So if your child is following the Lord, it's not, it's not merely because of their decision. They, they're watching you, mom and dad. They're loving that you're following God. Isn't that great? I love it. It's, it's just the best thing. Why? Because you can't fake that. You can fake this, but you can't fake that. They'll, they'll be like you. Anyways, we'll continue on. So children's are examples of salvation. And lastly, simply this. Jesus' blessings are upon his children. Jesus' blessings are upon his children. Mark chapter 10, verse 16. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them. You know what it says? And blessed them. Everyone in this room wants the blessing of God. Everyone in this room desire, desires to have that relationship with God. And understand, church, we are part of God's children. I want you to turn to Galatians 4.3. And I need you to understand the context of this chapter. The Judaizers came to that region of Galatia and were telling people, hey, you need to get back to the law. You need to go back to the law and live uh, like the law of Moses is, is still upon you. That's what you need to do in order for you to go to heaven. So the Judaizers were permeating this in, in regards to the churches in that region. And this is what Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 3. Even so we, when we were children... We're in the bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, capital S, made of woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. In verse 6 of Galatians chapter 4. And because ye are sons, God had sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then heir of God through Christ. Christian, that's you. That's you. 
That is the value of your heritage that God sent his son Jesus to allow you to have victory in your life, to allow you no longer to be in bondage of that sin that you commit every single day. Every time you do that, you forget the fact that, hey, God, God did this for me. He is my father. He is my father. And so do you know what? As, as, as you live your life, Christian, as we, as we go through this week, there will be hardships in this week, no doubt about it, for some of us. There will be things that we'll go through this week that we'll need God for. But understand, every single step of this week ought to be bathed in prayer to your God. Why? Because he's your father. He's not just some entity that set everything in motion and just let it go. That's not what we believe. We believe, that we believe in a personal savior. We believe in a savior that loves him, that loves each individual in this room to the point that he gave his child for your sin. So live in victory. Understand what you have. Don't take it for granted that you're part of the family of God. If you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're part of the family of God. You're sealed unto the day of redemption. That is what the Bible said, not what independent Baptists say. Amen. You can rest assured on that. Why? Because we're not perfect, man. But God is. God doesn't have to bring your child and bring him to somebody else. No, no, no. He's got it. He's got it under control. Even your failures, he got down into control too. Understand this, church. The value of a child cost God his child so that you can become his child also. We're one big happy family. This is what's so funny. Like, I, I didn't mean for this to. So conjoined together. But the, when I was preaching to the teens this morning, um, I was just reminded about the many other men that have taught me. Um, now Pastor June, he's, he's preaching for a missions conference somewhere. And I remember sitting down under his voice and listening to him preach. You know what he was doing? He was just bringing me closer to Jesus. There are other men that, that sat with me taught me many things that helped me grow in my spiritual life. Do what they were doing? They were just taking me closer to Jesus. But there was this understanding this morning that just, it's like a light bulb moment. That God's love for me had never ceased, had never waned, had never shuddered. God's love for me remained consistent. And Christian, don't underestimate your value and your standing before a holy God. And it's not because of us, Brother Adika. It's because of him. It's because he is holy, because he is merciful, and because he is just. We can stand in reverence and in awe to what God can do in your life. So you're the child of God this morning. Maximize it. Talk to your Savior. Why do you rest it upon your own shoulders? Why do you have to fret? Why do you, why do you get nervous about things instead of giving it to God 
and God can take care of it for you. And I'm not saying case or us or whatever it will be, will be. I'm saying step out in faith. Say, God, you take this from me. Help me to live so that I can glorify you more. Now I'll finish off with this concept and this thought this morning. You have a heavenly father. We know the verses in, in Matthew chapter 7. I read some of them for you. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Matthew chapter 7 verse 8. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? Verse 11. This is the verse. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, capital F, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? There's a children's need to be brought to Jesus. There's a there's children's invisible value. Children are examples of salvation. And the blessings are upon his children. Maybe today you're a parent desiring great things for your child. Consider, consider that we're limited and we do need help. And we cannot be everything that God desires us to be or what we think God desires us to be. To be successful, we must lead them to Jesus. Maybe you're like the disciples, so busy doing good things, but not imparting to the next generation, not involving yourself with others, whatever state they may be in. Consider to value each individual here in our church because we have many. And God has blessed our church. Amen? And lastly, if you're not even his child, maybe today you can receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and stop trying to earn your way to heaven. But as a child, simply receive by faith what Jesus Christ had did on the cross. You cannot pay for it. Nobody can. Why? Because it's already been paid paid by Jesus Christ. Let's pray. The value of our heritage. Father, again, we thank you for this time. And I pray, Lord, that you just use this time to be a instrumental in people's lives this week. As a piano plays, i like to ask, let's ask the church, Firstly, simply this, I know it's a Sunday morning. But let me ask you this morning, do you know if you're going to heaven? Would you know that heaven's your home if you stepped into eternity today? Do you know if you're saved? Or maybe you're not sure. If you're not sure this morning, you can be sure. The Bible says so. The Bible says that you can know that you have eternal life. Would you like us to take the Bible and share that with you this morning? If that's you this morning, just raise your hand. Nobody else is looking. It's just between me, you, and God. You say, Brother EJ, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. But I'd like to know. 
Is that you this morning? Just raise your hand. I didn't see a hand this morning. Well, let me ask you, saved Christian. Maybe God spoke to your heart about being a better parent, being a better mentor, a better guide to somebody. He said, Brother EJ, that helped me today. It's between me and you and the Lord. That's you. Just raise your hand this morning. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Thank you. You may put your hands down. Thank you. If that's you, then I ask, maybe take the time to pray. Let's all stand. As we have this time of invitation, I ask the church, please, just to stand. And if, if the Lord spoke to your heart, please come out and, and pray. Or just pray in your seat, that's fine. Just ask God to, to help you and guide you as we take the next generation forward to glorify Him.